Welcome to Empowered Mind Body Inspiration. The mind is the map to wholeness, wellness, health. The heart is the key to genius and inspiration. Join me and my guests as we explore how to release and rewire into who you truly are unique, whole, and empowered. Please like, share, and subscribe. Spiral up, spiral out. Welcome, everyone. Today we have Brian Burnman, all the way from New Zealand. Brian has a background in neuroscience and more than 15 years teaching and practicing yoga, meditation, Tibetan Buddhism, and mindfulness. Brian merges modern science knowledge with ancient wisdom and is co-founder of Conscious Action, a movement toward heart-centered conscious living. Beautiful. Let's see how this spirals out. Welcome, Brian. So good to have you here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to allow me to share my story and a little bit of what I do. Well, I love your story. I love the, you know, how you studied neuroscience and you studied with a Tibetan monk and then, you know, your spiritual practices. And I love that you're bringing science and these ancient teachings together. So tell us your story. Let's just start there. Tell us your story, how this, you know, because it was probably something that called you from a very young age with that kind mm. of. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I will go to when I was a kid. So I grew up in Argentina. Um, I, I'm really fortunate. I am really grateful for the family that I have and the parents that I have. Um, in a sense, my first few years of my childhood were like most kids, um, middle class, just going to school, playing sports, and all of these different things that kids do. And then it was through my parents that they started their own spiritual journey that they started to bring some of those things home. So we started to, instead of eating in, in the kitchen table, watching the TV, for example, we started to eat in the lounge so we could actually have a conversation. So we would talk about some of the topics that my parents would be learning, but as well, just general things. Um, it was a little bit through their journey that I started to get into some of those aspects of life. Um, it was really interesting. They never forced anything into me and my siblings. They always allowed us to discover who we wanted to, to be and what we wanted to do. And, and I really resonated with a lot of the things that they were doing. So I started to read some of the books that they were mentioning, uh, some of these you know, um, new age or self-development books. And, and I started to, to become more and more interested in that. And little by little, it was kind of like, okay, this seems, you know, that this is resonating. And I started to go and do some meditation classes or some yoga classes. And then I started to get into a little bit into energy healing. So my mom would always be like, hey, I went to this person. Like, do you want to try it? And then I was always saying yes to everything of that kind of um, realm. And... I remember there were two moments that I remember specifically. One was my first ever class of Tibetan yoga. That was like nothing I have done before. Uh, the experience that I had there was incredible for the first time in my life, really feeling my body, really feeling my feelings. And the energy of the practice. So that was really a turning point. And I have been practicing that for the last 17 years. And that practice has been one of the main 
disciplines that I followed. And the other thing that happened was when I discovered um, energy healing in terms of Reiki and a few other techniques, because at that time I was already playing with my hands and feeling this thing that I didn't really understand what it was, but it was energy. And, and then going to learn Reiki, it was like, oh, wow, you know, this is what I've been doing, just without understanding what it is. And that was where the journey started. I started to notice as I was doing some of these practices, especially Tibetan yoga and meditation, how my everyday life experience was changing radically. So I used to be a really shy person. I used to be really stressed out and really paranoid because of the life situations there. And suddenly I started to realize that I was in the car, I was driving, someone cut me off. And instead of reacting with this rage, that that was my usual way, suddenly I was just letting that go. And I wasn't doing anything specifically other than the practice that I was doing. And I started to notice, wow, this is actually coming into my everyday life. And since then, it's been uh, an incredible journey. I, I continued doing that once I was done with uni. I decided um, through think synchronicity uh, to go and study neuroscience, uh, to do my postgraduate in neuroscience. And that was really incredible because I wanted to speak to people that weren't really into the spiritual world or that, that of, they have a barrier with that. And I wanted to see how can I talk to people about this in their own language so that they can understand what's happening and not push the way just because meditation or yoga or all of these things have a spiritual or, or a different culture background. And especially with people like my brother and, and things like that. So I did my postgrad. And at that time, this is, what, 12, 13 years ago. Uh, at that time, neuroscience was still quite a new discipline. And what I loved about neuroscience was that it gave some of the proof of what all of these wisdom teachings have been saying for millennium. So I really love that. Um, and then in my own journey, I decided to leave Argentina to move to the US. And then I moved to Germany and then I went back to the US. And then at one point I'm like, okay, I need to go deeper in my practice. So I moved in California to a Tibetan Buddhist retreat center. And I lived there for a few years practicing in a sense, 24-7, of course, the, every day we had different things to do, but that gave me an understanding of being able to live my practice every single moment of every single day, not just when I am doing my yoga practice or when I'm meditating, but every single moment during the day. And now for the past Six years I've been living in New Zealand and it's an incredible land here. Uh, so fortunate to be able to, to be here and to be able to, to share this and to be able to work doing what I love, supporting people to, to discover what resonates with them and how they can help themselves. Beautiful. So you found by practicing these deeper, this deeper wisdom every day that it became part of you. It became a reflex. And just can you lead us through a day, what it would look like? Now? Studying as, as a monk, right? You're, you're, or you were learning with the, the master. Well, yeah, well, when I was in California, so it, the, the retreat center, there was basically a component of practice and work and work is work practice as well so at the specific retreat center that i was everyone has of course a different responsibility in terms of what they need to do 
So we started every single day with morning practice, so Tibetan yoga and meditation. Then we go and have breakfast. Then we had a time for for connecting with everyone in the community. So we were 27 people, I think, or more or less around 20 people that we were living there. And we would connect in front of the stupa, that for those that don't know what a stupa is, it's an um, architectural um, design or a structure that has a specific design to actually allow us to work with our consciousness. So we go around it and circumambulate the stupa and we do some chanting and then we gather and with the team of who you're working with and the specific project that you're working with and we will share a little bit of the intention for the day and what we were going to do during the day and who was going to do what and then we would work doing that so for the first few months i i just work on one project that was making books so making tibetan um buddhist book buddhist books and this was amazing <laughs> but as well it's all about putting into practice all of the buddhist teachings into how we are working so making sure that every single thing that we're doing that it's our practice we're paying attention to what we are doing we are focusing on energy concentration we're focusing on our satisfaction levels. We're working on our levels of awareness. So it's really part of our practice. And we would work basically from um, 8, 8.30 to 5-ish with breaks in the middle. And in those breaks, uh, of course, we could practice some more. So we would have like study groups or um, we would talk about some of the teachings or we could go out in nature and have time for ourselves and then after that then we would have dinner and we would have two classes of dharma teachings or tibetan yoga so it was either our teacher would share and then we would have discussions or it wasn't actual movement practice or meditation practice and then around 9 9 30 that ended we go to sleep and then we do this again every single day <laughs> um it was amazing amazing time and i i really really took a lot because up until that moment even though in my practice i was able to bring some of what I was doing, as I mentioned before, that I wasn't getting as stressed when I was a teenager, driving or a late teenager. This was a way of actually completely integrating the practice in everyday life. And for me, having those years living there and being surrounded by the Sangha or the community of, of people that are with the intention to live in this way, to live in community, to live in a way that is helping ourselves but also all sentient beings and taking care of the land taking care of the teachings and having respect for one another and having love for one another um that was that was an incredible time yeah because it's quite simple really isn't it like it's tasks that we have to perform it's it's life but when you do it with a certain intent it changes everything. So was there a time or is there an example that you have that where you really got that something you were doing that you knew because of your intent and your heart intent that it changed everything? Well, I, I, I remember specifically the first time because I, I did a lot of different practices in terms of specific things that I was practicing at different moments while I was living there. But I remember specifically one day that my experience of time changed completely. Yeah. And I was working on trying to see time differently. So, you know, we see time linearly and we go through it. But as well, we can expand time. 
or we can expand our perception of time. And I remember specifically this one day I was working, making books, and the machine that I was working with, it had a lot of different pockets. On each of the pockets, I had to put um, stacks of paper that was on the first pocket. They had to put pages 1 to 16, then 17 to 32, and so on and so on. And usually the machine is going super fast and, you know, I had to move completely and really fast and I need to completely be aware of what I'm doing and really focused and concentrated. And this one day, I felt suddenly that I was able to catch up so easily with filling all of these pockets. And I started to realize that the machine that usually it goes, or my experience of the machine was really differently until that point, I could hear and I could feel how when the machine was actually from each of the pockets sucking that pages, that I could feel the So that was what I was feeling and experiencing. Yet the reality was that the machine was going at a speed so fast that it was like but my experience was that when I was able to actually understand what was happening and how to replicate it, from that point on, my experience of a single day was experiencing as much as I used to experience in one year. So I expanded time so much in my own experience that what I used to experience in one year, now I was experiencing that in one day, which made each and every single day seem super long, but also super satisfying. And I could do so much more because I was noticing so much more. And of course, the days that I had ever since then, days that had a lot of challenges, of course, I'm like, oh my God, this is moving too slow. <laughs> but it's, it's been amazing. And that was a turning point, a turning point in terms of being able to see completely how I could change my experience of life. Right. Because usually we're racing towards something. So there's something about being totally in the moment. Share, share with us what you, how you would explain what happened or if you can. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of times when I share this with people, I put it on sports analogy. And when someone says like they are in the zone or they, you know, like basketball game or, or the tennis game and when, with the basketball game, you know, there's two seconds left and yet the the person that needs to get the ball and shoot, they feel like that time expanded. They can do so much when they are in that zone. And I think most people in the world at one point or another in their lives, they experience being on the zone or being completely in the moment. And that is that experience, yet that is every single moment doesn't need to be just in those highly um, pressured times. But for the majority of times, we tend not to get there unless we have that. So when we work with our concentration levels, when we work with time in terms of deadlines and a little bit of that extra pressure without it getting to be stressful, then we can get into that place where everything slows down and we can actually notice so much. And what happens with that as well is from an interaction standpoint, not only with people, but with life, is that since then, I've been able to respond to life instead of react. So now I have time when something happens or when someone says something, I have longer time to notice what happened, notice the feelings in me, notice the thoughts that come up, and notice that sometimes certain behaviors or certain actions from other people, they actually make this reaction inside of me, but now I can notice that and I can stop whatever is going to come out 
because that's not going to serve the situation. So by being on that space, then I can actually respond appropriately. Right. Instead of reacting with emotion and without thinking, you can internalize it and then react. Yeah, I can process it. So that for me is one of the biggest things that I learned through many years of my practice, especially because when I was a kid, I was completely out of touch with my feelings. I was super in touch with my thinking, but not at all with my body and my feelings. And this is one of the things that for me, why Tibetan yoga was so amazing because it brought me back to my feelings. It brought me back to my body and to the wisdom that I already had inside. And by doing that, I'm able to actually allow things instead of trying to contract or trying to to manage how the situations are going to be, I can actually respond to what's happening. Because when something happens or someone says something, I'm going to have a feeling about that. And instead of getting to the emotional side of it, instead of getting to the story behind it or to the trigger that that actually uh, <laughs> pushed inside of me, instead of going into that, I can choose to be, process, and understand, oh, there's a feeling now in my chest or in, or in my belly, and I can allow that feeling, and then I can respond with whatever that needs to actually appropriately happen. Yeah. Yeah, I find it incredible, too, because I studied the unconscious mind and... So I know that when those triggers happen, it's just triggering something in my unconscious mm. and now can stop and notice that and try to respond differently. It depends on the situation. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and you know, you have my, so much my, practice. Yeah. But, but this is one of the things um, my, my teacher used to, used to say, you practice once you find a discipline, that is the correct discipline for you, that resonates with you, have the discipline to practice it every single day. Because when everything is going well, we think or we tend to think that we don't need to practice because everything is going well. When everything is going wrong, we don't feel like practicing because we feel really bad or we don't have the energy or you know every, the world is against us or whatever we, we feel, we're not going to practice them. And so the only time that really we would practice is when we are more in the middle space or in the middle ground. Yet the majority of time and the majority of people, we are either on the good or the bad. It's not that often that we are in that middle space. And this is a little bit what the Buddhist teachings try to, to bring us into, trying to bring us into that middle way. And the more that I can stay with my practice and with my uh, own discipline, then when things are going well, when things are not going that well, or when things are neutral, then it doesn't matter. I'm still doing my practice. And that will enable me in those moments that someone is going to trigger me, for example, not to be triggered because I have been connected. I am within myself and I am in this moment. So it takes, of course, practice to maintain that yet a lot of times there's things that could happen so quickly that in like my first class ever for example or with a lot of people it's not you know that everybody needs years and years of practice yes to change the subtleties of a lot of things yes but sometimes it's just a little bit of experiencing some of these different teachings or tools or techniques can have such a profound effect on people. Yeah. So tell us about meditation, because that is a form of training the mind not to react mm. as, as much. Can you just tell us what you know ab about that? Yes, definitely. So one of the things that I do, especially when I'm running meditation courses, at the beginning is having everyone dropping their idea of what meditation is. Because in the West or in the Western civilization, we have a tendency to think of meditation as 
sitting, closing our eyes, cross-legged, and not no thoughts, quieting the mind completely. And although that is a way of meditation, for me and my understanding, meditation is a state of being. And it's a state of being that we can achieve whilst we are doing those type of practices, or it's a type of or a state of being that we can have even now, as I am talking to you, we don't need to get out of that space. And this is what I was saying before about being in the zone or being present in the present. Whatever it is that is happening, I can be with that. And the more that I am present in the present, the more that I can do that. So a lot of times I try to get the expectation of what that is out of the way so we can then practice all different types of meditation techniques because everyone will resonate to a different one. So for example, I needed at one point moving meditation. So I needed movement meditation. I need to move my body to enable that to be my meditation practice. At some other times in my practice or in the last 17 years, it has been sitting completely still, noticing what is happening, noticing what is coming up. At some other point, it was practicing being aware of my breath. So there's a lot of different techniques that we can use. And because we tend to think in the West that meditation is about quieting the mind, that that could be a practice or that could be what happens after we've been practicing then a lot of times there's a lot of frustration from people or people that think I cannot meditate. And what I try to to explain is that everybody can meditate. You just haven't found their way of doing it or practicing with thinking because a lot of people that like me, that we are a lot in our heads and we think a lot, using the practices of meditation that work with thinking or with the thoughts, then it's not about quieting the mind. Then it's about using those thoughts or that energy of the thoughts, which for most people, if I say, okay, we're going to use our thoughts for meditation, they will be like, wait, 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 that's, you know, completely different than what I would think of meditation. Yet, this is for me the most important thing of exploring all of the different ways of us to connect to ourselves. Because that is what meditation is. It's connecting to ourselves. And when we connect to ourselves deeply by being present in the present, we connect not only inwardly, but we connect outwardly as well. And we start to connect not only with the non-physical aspects of ourselves, but also with our environment, with the people around us, with nature, or the spaces that we're in. And when we can do that, life starts to change. And life is incredible when we do that. But when I am in my head and I am not present, I am not connected, life can start to be more problematic. So meditation for me is about being present in the present, whatever technique works. And I think that there's a huge importance on that sitting, closing the eyes, and trying to quiet the mind. Yet, anything that works, even if it's going for a run, even if it is swimming, even if it is walking, even if it is whatever it is, go and do that. Yeah. So it's practicing being totally in the moment, in the now. And Talk to us a bit about how to, like, I know I've had times when I've received messages, when I've connected to my heart and doing, you know, in the, in this right place, what happens there? What do you, what do you believe that happens there when we connect to something greater than ourselves? Well, I believe that we are all one and we are all connected to something greater than the simplistic view that we have of who we are in terms of I am Brian, I am this person. I, I do believe that we are connected. And not only I believe, I have experienced that feeling. When we are open and when we are 
open channels. And this is what I, for example, for me, when I'm doing my healing work, when clients come and I'm doing healings, I often say to them, I'm not doing anything. Like Brian is not doing anything. I'm just allowing energy to come through me. I'm just a conduit. And and I love uh, how a lot of times Bruce Lipton talks about this in terms of our DNA and how we we work from from a, a cell perspective in terms of saying we have we are receivers of energy of consciousness and we are all tuned differently to a different dial so i am picking up this consciousness that it's me that if i would be reborn in another lifetime i would still have the same receivers yet we are also open to receive more than that and we are open to receive universal wisdom and energy and a lot of times we have different capabilities to be able to do that the more that we are allowing and for me this is huge when we surrender to life not by not doing anything on allowing life to just slap you in the face but when we surrender to what is from the heart being completely present then we can allow ourselves to pick up more of the energy and the wisdom that is out there. So from the perspective, for example, of my experience, when I started to realize that everything is energy and not just in my head, really actually experiencing that everything is energy and knowing that energy has intelligence in it, everything in space has intelligence in it, then if I can tap into that intelligence, then I can know that. And because time and space and how they work have been constructed, we have a construct of what that is. If I let go of that, then I could actually tap into the energy of what's happening thousands and thousands of kilometers away. So then I actually am able to, in a sense, open myself up to that, to receiving that, tapping into that energy. And some people, because of the faculties that they have, they are able to have that as an open channel. And some people then can have that if they are what we call mediums or channels in terms of that, then they can verbalize or write about that. Some people see things. We all have different way of, of how we then translate that. But the most important thing for me, more than the translation of that, is what is my experience? Because I care more about allowing myself to be open to receiving what needs to be received than to actually try to put that into words. A lot of times with people, when they come to see me, I tell them, I have no idea what I just did. I have no idea. Like they felt something, they they felt whatever happened during the session, and sometimes there's a lot of things that get healed. Yet a lot of times I'm like, I have no idea what happened. <laughs> I just allowed. Yeah, just you were just a conduit. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. and you know, we've we've all heard of you know genius coming through at certain times to certain people, information that just flows through. And have you experienced the connection to the heart, like that heart-centered opening? Just, just tell us about that as well. Yeah, for me, I've done a lot of work in my practice in terms of connecting with the heart. And I think that this is one of the most amazing uh, parts of our being when we can connect with our hearts, when we can not only understand the importance of the heart, but we can allow ourselves to live from the heart. So instead of living in our heads, living from the heart, using our heads and not the other way around and allowing that openness and, and those qualities that are from the heart, that the heart lives in the present. The heart is open. The heart is love. 
is kindness, it's compassion, it's gratitude. When we can tap into that energy and be there, then our experience changes so much because we are in those qualities. And a lot of times with a lot of people in terms of practices, it's about the qualities. So even if someone you know, believes in Buddha, Allah, Jesus, whatever they believe, what are the qualities? Because there's that heart there, that's the qualities. So if I want to develop myself to my full potential, to the human being that I know that I can be, being in my heart, open, open-hearted, developing more of those qualities, then I can actually be here doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Because a lot of times we get in our own way to connect with the truth of who we really are and why we're here and what we're supposed to be doing. Because in our hearts, we're all healers. We're all here for a purpose. It doesn't need to be a fixed purpose, but we're all here for a reason and we're all unique. And we all bring our unique gifts to life and we all bring our unique medicine. And the more that we connect from the heart to that truth, the more that we can be that. Yes. And now talk about how when you're connected to that, you know, our mind can get in the way and stop us from achieving what our sole purpose was in many ways. But when you live like that, it kind of appears, you know, and you just fall into the next thing, not fall into it, but you, it, it opens for you. Mm. Yes. I think, that, you know, it's, it's about that openness. When we are allowing that with, at the same time, understanding that, you know, we live in this 3D like space. We live with this body. We still need to live with a society. We still need to deal with things. So how do we each day allow ourselves to grasp the idea that we are this being that is bigger than than this yet at the same time we are here to experience this and how can we allow our head not to get in the way so a lot of times for me this is why the somatic practices practice with the body practices with the feelings practices with energy are so important to me because the more that i can understand that the more that i can notice what is actually internal wisdom, what is inner wisdom, and what is my thoughts and my conditioning. Because we have been conditioned by our families, by our parents, by our cultures, by our ancestors, even if we didn't meet them. All of that is in our unconscious or subconscious mind. And those are the programs that are going to be running every time that something happens. So how can we allow ourselves not to get into that? By understanding what is my experience like when that shows up and what is my experience like when there's that inner wisdom happening or that intuition, whatever we want to call that. The more that we can understand the subtle differences in there, the easier it is for me to realize, oh, that's just a thought. That's a story that I'm telling myself. That's a pattern that was passed down that, do that doesn't serve me any longer. So allowing myself to notice, to acknowledge that that is there, because that is there. That's a program that is running. But I don't need to actually actively, actively do something about it. I can stay still connected from the heart with the understanding that the inner wisdom is going to show up. So a lot of times, for me, one of the biggest practices has been questioning. Questioning my own experience, questioning my thoughts, questioning what's happening. The more that I question, without trying to have an answer, it's just about asking questions. And sometimes there's a feeling that will come up. So the more that I can allow that to happen, the easier it is to actually be in the flow and not get caught up with those programs or with these thoughts that are going to show up 
and knowing that they are going to show up. It's not about trying to get rid of them. It's that the more that I practice or that I put my time into developing the other way from an energetic and from a neuroscientific perspective, what's happening is that we are making that a new pattern. So instead of actually going to those thoughts, we are more and more going to go with this other way of being. And the more that we do that, then that's going to become the natural way. And then we don't have to do it. Then it's just part of your day. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my understanding is that the unconscious mind records everything. So it records things that allow us to survive, you know, understand that a lion is coming and we need to run. But it also records all of our experiences that we had when we were young and it was just programming, right? And so we need to realize that that's what's happening and then go to where you're saying and and questioning it is, is excellent. Like just instead of pushing it down. Right. Yes. Because one of the things that I realized was that one of the worst things that we do is that we don't acknowledge things. Mm -hmm. We don't allow ourselves to process things. So in my experience, I, when I was, before I started to do all of these different practices, I didn't allow myself to process what was happening. So when, for example, something was happening that wasn't nice, then I was just contracting, I was creating a blockage. I wasn't allowing myself to actually feel that. Yet, for example, some years ago, when I was in a relationship and my ex at the time broke up with me, then instead of getting into that place of I'm not going to feel that or I'm not going, you know, I'm going to bottle this down, I just went and sit and did my practice and I didn't get up until I was able to process all of those feelings. So I sat there for 40 minutes feeling everything that was happening inside of me. And once that happened, then I can actually move on from that That doesn't mean that, you know, I didn't want it to be with that person or anything, but I didn't create that blockage. So I actually allowed myself to process what's happening and to continue life. And this is one of the things that we tend not to do. We tend to bottle those things down to not allowing ourselves to process. And then all of that ends up actually showing up for the majority of people then on physical um, illness or any type of, of illness that we could have. And a lot of times it comes from that. It comes from actually a blockage, an energy blockage or something that we didn't allow ourselves to process or to look. And when we didn't do that, that's at some point going to come up. It might, for some people, fortunately, not really in a really bad way in this lifetime, but it is a, a challenge that we have. Yeah, those triggers and circuits that constantly give us a stress response sooner or later are going to show up in the physical. Mm. And I always say the physical is actually a mirror of what's happening in the other in the mind, right? Yes. And and it's an for me it's really interesting because there's different ways that we can work with ourselves. So we can work both from the physical aspect, we can work from the mind aspect, we can work from the heart, from the breath, we can work internally and we can work externally. So for example, if if I if I have too many thoughts or you know I'm not I'm feeling scattered and I don't feel like I can actually sit down to meditate, I could go and clean the space that I'm in because I'm actually doing that same practice with my outer world. That's I can control much more. <laughs> That's what I do. Yes. It's my but, favorite thing. <laughs> so go on. Like, no, but, but it calms the inner world when I do it. Because there's yeah. the reflection, the yeah. inner and the outer. There, there's no separation, really. And like, mm-hmm. This is just an illusion that things are separate. So when I work with the outer world, I'm also working with the inner world. And when I'm working with the inner world, my outer world will change. So yeah. it's understanding that, that, aspect of you know what's above and what's below what's within what's without and understanding that on an experiential level and not just on the mind level 
And you can see the change. Like often when people shift inside, they'll say somebody, they'll say, oh, my partner is acting differently. When really it's the, it's their inner experience that has changed. Yeah, well, and, and sometimes it, it is that something else happens because when we shift, our environment as well shifts. So if someone has a partner or something, that partner is also picking up that there was a shift in you. So then actually they will notice that consciously or unconsciously. And a lot of times we play with different dynamics. We, we play different roles and we play different aspects of what needs to happen in a relationship or in a family or in a group of friends or community. And if I stop playing the role that I've been playing, then there's going to be a shift in my environment as well. And people are going to be, you know, oh, who, what's happening? Who's going to do that? You know, like energetically, unconsciously, sometimes someone else starts to play the role that you've been playing because that dynamic, until it's resolved, somehow it needs to be there. Right. Yeah. And then just talk to us about how like our energy can actually affect someone on the other side of the planet. Mm. That's how powerful it is. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I know this both from the theory, but as well experientially. I have done a lot of energy healings like with distance. So being, you know, here in New Zealand, working with people in the US or in Europe or back in Argentina energy energy doesn't actually abide by the rules that that we have in terms of um this physicality every if we start from the beginning of the universe whatever we believe that is the big bang or whatever we believe that is energy was one and then it started to actually um go out yet that resonance and that connection never goes away. And we are part of that energy, which means that then we are actually connected to everything and all energies everywhere. The more that we can understand that experientially and get out of the way from our heads believing like, oh my God, no, that's you know in another continent, then we can actually start to experience how that is connected. And, and I think that, you know, nowadays, science proving this, it, it makes it more accessible for people to believe it. So when they make studies with something in different parts of the world and they change one and the other one immediately, no, no actually time passed and changes, it allows us to understand how time and space actually doesn't exist on one level of reality. And if we can tap into the energy level of reality and not so much the physicality of things, then we can allow ourselves to know that there's no difference and everything is connected. And what's happening here in New Zealand is affecting someone on the other side of the world. What's happening in, in my head, my thoughts are actually creating as well what's happening for someone else in their reality. So the more that we can understand how we are all connected, the more that we can use that as well to also have a positive impact. So it's for me a lot of times it's about how can I be the best version of myself, but also how can I be for the benefit of all beings? And the more that I understand that I am connected to everyone and everything, then I can actually take the time to know and to, and to realize, oh my God, if I am negative or if I'm having negative thoughts or if I am completely out of alignment, I'm putting that energy out. Someone else is going to feel that. Someone else is going to experience that consciously or unconsciously. So there's a lot of responsibility without this being like a really heavy thing, but there's a level of responsibility of doing my part because when I'm doing my part, then everything is actually going to feel that. Yeah, and it's big because if we all understood that, 
change could happen so rapidly in a positive direction. And we are the change inside mm-hmm. each of us. Yes, definitely. definitely. Which is, yeah, which is pretty cool when you realize it. <laughs> because we often think too that, oh, I I can't do anything. And, you know, I'm just this little speck and it's so much bigger than me when really that's where true change has to happen within each of us. Yes. And knowing that life is as well, it's way bigger than us. We don't have all of the answers. We don't have to do everything. We just need to do our part, however that looks like. So, you know, like someone is going to be a president, someone is going to be a nurse, someone is going to be a teacher, someone is going to be a parent, someone is going to be a an artist, you know, there's all these different ways that we are going to be who we are. Yet, by doing that, we are doing our part. So we don't need to have the weight of the world in our shoulders. We can actually, like for me, this is the balance that we need to understand with responsibility, but also lightness. Not having that heaviness attached to, oh my God, we need to make, we need to be the, the change. So then it's really heavy for a lot of people. How can we allow with lightheartedness approach to have this responsibility to understand that we are connected, to understand that we're all part of this? So the more that we can tap into that side of things, the easier it is to actually create the change. Yeah. So that's, that must be what you teach when you teach people to live consciously. Well, I, I I try to get everyone to understand who they are, what they care about, how they connect with themselves and how they are connected to others and understanding both from an energetic perspective and from a physical perspective, how we are actually um, having a footprint and an impact in the world. And there is things that we do on the superficial or, or physical level that also influence that. So what we buy and who we hang out with and what we do, um, the food that we put in our body, all of these different things. And at the same time, understanding really our values, understanding what we stand for, understanding our feelings, understanding how our mind works. So it's, it's a lot of things to explore yeah, they're all really connected because the more that I understand for myself what I care about and how I feel about things, the easier it is for me to act here on a physical level and understand that, oh, this type of food, this is not energetically good for me. This type of um, products, oh, this is not good. This type, you know, so it's easy then to behave on the physical level when we have that level of understanding. Yeah. And it's like one, one piece leads to the other. Like if you get it in a certain area, it will translate into the food and you just stop craving bad food naturally. Right. So, yes. yeah. And, and everything, everything, as I always say, everything with compassion to ourselves, and to others because we're all doing the best with the tools that we've been given with the conditioning that we've been giving with the challenges that we've been given we're all doing the best and yet sometimes the best that we can do can actually be for the rules that we have in in this world can actually be deemed as a negative thing or a bad thing yet everyone is doing the best that they can with the tools that they have So the more that we can tap into this level of compassion and openness, then the easier it is to actually live life for ourselves and with others. And that's part of it, isn't it? Showing ourselves compassion where we are on the path, right? And even laughing at ourselves a little because we are human. We still have that human state and we were programmed, right? So we have to be kind to ourselves. Yeah, and, and I always say to to a lot of people, and, and and I think that a lot of people when they come to my classes and my workshops and my retreats, they see 
that there's there's a lot of of jokes and and there's things that I do to to make things lighter because a lot of people with and and this is mm, perfectly okay there's a certain uh, reverence and there's a certain importance to the practice and things need to actually have uh, be done with respect yet things don't need to be heavy things that need to be done constantly with that with that way that we believe it is respect by me bringing joy and bringing laughter into a practice that doesn't mean that i am disrespect disrespecting the practice i'm honoring the practice yet i have an understanding that doesn't need to be heavy mm-hmm. there's there's i think that uh, this is more of a cultural thing that anything that is really spiritual it needs to be done quiet the space needs to be with incense and you know all of these different rituals that are really important and are there for a reason yet life it's also about light and about laughter and about joy and about happiness so the more that we can develop those things in our life in our own practice the easier it is to actually have an impact in ourselves and in others the more that i can be compassionate and kind with myself and to others so bringing those elements i think that it's really important yeah it's kind of like when you were experiencing that slowness of time for the first time it had to come with a certain focus and yet a certain amount of letting go mm-hmm. at the same yes. time yeah i i yes well, it's that 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 being open and that surrendering. Mm. Because at the same time, I remember that specific time. As soon as I started to think, wow, this is happening, I lost it. Really? <laughs> I, I, I started to get in my own way. Uh, so it's, it's being able to actually allow things to happen and knowing where do I actually need to action and where do I need to allow. And when I'm actioning, I'm also allowing. And when I'm not doing anything, I'm also actioning. So if I'm just sitting and I'm not going out to do anything, that's still an action. In action is an action. So understanding the times that need me to do certain things. So the more that I understand where, where do I need to respond and when on how to respond appropriately to a situation and to life, the more that I can actually have an impact. Yeah. And sometimes it's relaxing and letting go. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I love talking to you. <laughs> so much wisdom, so much beauty. Is there anything you would like to just leave our listeners with like maybe one step that they could start with or you know what you start with when you try to teach people yes definitely i think that one of the first things is that everyone i'm going to talk directly to everyone listening you have the power to make your life how you want to make it you are powerful you have the tools you just need to get out of your own way. And if needed, you need to go and have support from another person, someone that has been doing this for longer or someone that is just going to keep you accountable for doing things. Because we've been conditioned in certain ways. So the more that you can take the time to do these things for yourself, the easier it is going to be to actually create the change. So knowing that you have the power and that you are never alone, I think that this is huge for a lot of you. If you understand that we are all connected, you're never alone and you matter and that you have something specific to bring into this world that no one else has, you are really important. So understanding that and understanding that things can be really small but each small step that we take will lead us somewhere. And for some of us, some of the changes will be huge really fast. And for some of us, it takes time. So not thinking that everyone goes in the same rhythm and at the same timing, just allowing yourself to live one day 
at a time, but fully. Beautiful. And how do people get in touch with you or learn more from you? Yes, definitely. I think that the easiest way is to find conscious action and set from New Zealand. So that's either on Facebook or Instagram or the website consciousaction.co.nz or just find my name, Brian Burneman, and things will show up on Google. I'm sure that there's plenty of stuff there. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the best way of getting in touch. And I'll put it in the show notes. I always do. So it'll be easy to find. Perfect. And thank you for, for having me. Thank you for the platform to be able to, to share. And I love having these conversations. So thank you for giving me the time to, to share. Oh, I love the conversation. Thank you so much, Brian. And to everyone out there, don't forget, don't give away your power to anyone else. Be the creator of your own life. Spiral up, spiral out.